Good morning, TLC. Uh, you guys are a little quieter than usual. I always, uh, one of the things that I always have prayed uh, when in my uh, speaking, teaching, preaching uh, is, God, I want to uh, speak for an audience of one. And uh, I think God took me a little too seriously uh, uh, recently. So, hey, it's so good to be with you guys, even across uh, spaces, places, and computers this morning. Uh, we're so blessed to be able to worship uh, our, our Lord and King and uh, excited to uh, dig into the our Apostles' Creed series uh, that start kicking off today. So I, uh, growing up uh, in middle school, when I was in seventh grade, my family, uh, we hosted a foreign exchange student. His name was Dong Myung Kim. I think we have a picture of Dong Myung uh, and my brothers. Uh, we hosted Dong Myung his senior year of high school. We had gotten to know him in his junior year. He did his junior year in the States uh, and attended our church, and we invited him uh, to host him for our senior year. And Dong Myung's awesome. He later went to IU. He lives in California now. Um, got to see him not too long ago at my brother's wedding. He's great. But one of the things that my family decided to do when he was a senior, he had graduated, uh, they decided to throw an open house, like a graduation party for him. And this, of course, meant that my brothers and I had to do quite a bit of cleaning inside and outside the house, right? Now, I grew up in the suburbs. Shout out to my people who grew up in the suburbs, right? I'm holding my hand up uh, like there's people in the room, but there aren't. Uh, but if you're in the house right now, you grew up in the suburbs, uh, I need you to uh, raise your hand uh, because you know that if you had a dog and you had a tiny little yard and a fence, where did that dog go poop? In that tiny little yard, right? And when you had people over to the house, you had to scoop poop, right? Because you couldn't have people hanging out in the backyard stepping in some dog dung. You don't want that, right? So this day, the day of the graduation party, my parents are assigning roles. And uh, one of my brothers, who will remain nameless in this story, but it wasn't me. That's all I can say, uh, was given the short stick. He had to go scoop poop. Now, he was already in a bad mood, right? Because when you're in middle school and it's a Saturday and it's a nice day and you're having to go scoop poop, ain't nobody in a good mood. And so he is already in a bad mood. He's having to clean. He's having to scoop poop. And he already has kind of a short fuse, this brother of mine. And so he's out in the backyard and he's doing, you know, the middle school thing, like, you know, just doing everything frustrated. Middle schoolers, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, and my mom is in the kitchen with the window open that looks out to the backyard. And she's kind of like barking orders at him, you know, like doing the mom thing. Moms, you know what I'm talking about. And so one of my brothers, who will remain nameless, he's scooping poop, scooping poop, scooping poop. And all the, all the while, the fuse is just like growing and growing and growing until it goes kapoom. And he takes the poop that he's scooped and he decides he's going to hurl it, throw it at the house. Not a good idea, right? But that's not even the worst idea that he had in this moment. The, wor the worst idea in the moment was as he was throwing the dog's poop at the house, he decided to yell towards the house, towards my mom, a name that you would call somebody like a dog that starts with a B. Not a good idea at all, right? Though that word didn't just inform, that word performed, okay? He spent the rest of the day, the rest of the evening, and maybe like the next few days quarantined up in his room uh, where every family and friend from church that came to the party asked, hey, where's this brother who will remain nameless? And every time I got to tell them why he was up in his room and why he would not be joining us. It was great. That word didn't just inform, that word performed, right? Now I have another brother who uh, will remain nameless as well. I only have two though, and uh, this is the other one, wasn't me. He loved cheeseburgers in middle school, and still does. I don't know why I said in middle school, but he loved cheeseburgers. My mom, one time, she brought home uh, cheeseburgers for dinner, like from McDonald's or whatever, 
And, uh, you know, she got home, started passing out cheeseburgers. And we we're all like, I was like in middle school, high school. He was uh, elementary school, middle school. And uh, he was like, you know, we grabbed the cheeseburger, like, nom, 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 nom. And uh, he was very particular about his love for cheeseburgers, though. You see, he could only have cheese and ketchup only on the cheeseburger. If had anything else, couldn't do it. And so my mom gives him a cheeseburger. He opens it up only to see that there's more than just cheese and ketchup on it. And he's not having any of it. Okay, so he gets really frustrated. He's like, well, how could they mess up my order? I, he doesn't understand that McDonald's, like, makes mistakes. <laughs> and so my mom is like, uh, uh, sorry, I almost said his name. Uh, my mom is like, no child who will remain nameless. Uh, you will not be disrespectful like this. You need to go to your room. And so we're like, okay. So he goes to his room. Next thing we know, uh, we hear a uh, on the front door, and we're like, who is that? My mom goes to the door, opens the door, and two police officers are standing at our front door. And she's like, what's going on? She's, you know, a little nervous and asks uh, police officers, what's what's going on? And the police officers let her know that somebody from, the, they had received a call from someone at this house. And my mom looks at my brothers and I, and we're like, what? We didn't call, like, we didn't do anything. And then we all three immediately recognize, oh, no, we know what happened. Somebody upstairs called the police. You see, my brother had decided to call 911 to let them know that he had received a cheeseburger with more than just cheese and ketchup only on it. And so he had called the cops to let them know of this injustice. You see, those words of, of that brother calling the cops didn't just inform the cops. They performed with the cops showing up at my house in my front yard, giving this brother a stern talking to on what necessitates a call to 911. You see, words are, an, are a powerful, incredible tool that we have to exchange information and to inform one another. But there are certain words in certain situations that change things. There are certain words in certain situations that don't just inform, they perform. Like the naming of a boat or speaking of a marriage vow. These words have weight. These words have meaning. They have consequence. They change the life of the person who's speaking them. And we're starting our new series this morning in the Apostles' Creed, words that perform, because the Apostles' Creed is full of words that don't just inform, they perform. They have consequence. They have meaning. That When someone speaks the words of the Apostles' Creed, they're the kind of words that someone becomes a disciple of Jesus with, the kind of words that someone becomes a member of his family and his community, and their life is changed forever. And you might be sitting here this morning, not here in your living room, wondering why are we going through a series on the Apostles' Creed right now? Isn't this like an ancient thing from hundreds and hundreds of years ago? Like it's 2020, man. Why are we going through the Apostles' Creed? Or you might be wondering, why are we going through the Apostles' Creed with all of the stuff that's going on with coronavirus and quarantine and social distancing and the chaos and the anxiety? Why the Apostles' Creed right now? And here's why. Because the Apostles' Creed tells us the story of our faith, tells us what's most important, and then invites us to be a part of it. It invites us to be a part of a God whose love runs deeper, who is better, and whose story and plan is more beautiful than we can possibly imagine. You see, this series isn't a series because we need to be told what to believe in Christ. 
this series is a series because we need to have an, give an effort to better understand what we have received in Christ. Because all I see on my phone for the last several days and weeks, it seems like all I'm spending my time doing is reading bad news, it seems like. And sometimes we just need a reminder of the good news that we have in Jesus. That's why the Apostles' Creed. And so each week we're going to dig into a certain portion of the creed. We're going to focus on what the part of Scripture and the part of God's story that that, that portion of the creed tells us. But then most importantly, we're going to dig into the, the act that these words perform. Each, each section has a different act that this, these words perform and, and a different invitation. And so we're going to really dig into that. And so this morning, I, I want to do two things, okay? I want to just quickly explain a little, just a, give a little background of the Apostles' Creed. What is it? Where does it come from? And then I want to dig in. Second thing I want to do is dig into our first portion of the creed. It's the shortest, okay? It's two words, I believe. And we're going to be a little shorter on the stream services, uh, shorter and sweeter. I can't guarantee the sweeter, but I can guarantee the shorter. All right, so hang with me. Uh, let's start with some background. The Apostles' Creed, uh, many th people think of a creed and they think of like a formal uh, group of people that are really important around an important table and like formulating this thing and like stamping and sending it out, right? Or sometimes people think maybe Apostles' Creed, oh, maybe like a bunch of like fancy theologians and pastors like got around a fancy uh, pastor table and because there's always fancy tables involved and like put this thing together, boom, 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 stamped it and sent it out. But the Apostles' Creed wasn't really formally created at all, actually. No, the Apostles' Creed was actually this grassroots confession. The early church used it when they were baptized people. This is what people would say when they were baptized. And then it just kind of spread from there. All of a sudden, churches and disciples of Jesus from all over the place were using this Apostles' Creed as sort of the, the central, the ethos of what it meant to believe in Jesus and to follow Jesus. You see, the, the, the Apostles' Creed wasn't about what to believe in Christ necessarily. It was about what we have received in Christ. And so, uh, and so that can have some issues, though, right? Because the Apostles' Creed is from long ago. It's got roots. It's got history. It's got weight. But for many of us, we're a little skeptical towards the past. Like you may have seen the video or as we sung a song that's almost an identical version of the Apostles' Creed, you thought, I, like who is this I in the Apostles' Creed? I believe, I believe, I believe. And you're like, I didn't write this. I remember uh, when I went to uh, college, I was visiting a church for the first time and uh, we all stood up to read the Apostles' Creed at the beginning of the service. Now, I had never really read up and uh, stood up to read anything in church growing up uh, and let alone I had never seen the Apostles' Creed. And so we started to read. I was like, who is this I? Like, I didn't write this. Did somebody else write this? I, who, who wrote this and why are we saying this, right? And many of you may have felt that way because we're just, we're skeptical towards the past. Anyone been to a wedding ceremony recently? Raise your hand in your living room if you've been to a wedding ceremony recently. If you've been to a wedding uh, recently, you may have noticed a, a, a trend that's kind of happening. Traditionally, uh, wedding ceremonies, the vows that were exchanged were uh, pretty consistent. They were uh, vows that have been passed down. Uh, they sounded something like this. I'm sure many of you are familiar with these. Some of you may have said these vows at your on your wedding day. Hey, grab your spouse. It's, it's a day to renew your vows, okay? In your living room, right here. Here we go. They sound like this, right? I so-and-so take thee so-and-so to be my wedded husband or wife. 
to have and to hold from this day forward, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish till death do us part. According to God's holy ordinance, I pledge myself to you or to thee. Now, these words weren't an expression of someone's own like personal beliefs or own feelings. They were the words that their parents had said when they got married, and their parents' parents, and their parents' parents' parents, and their ancestors had said. There was roots to them. There was a weight to them. There was a tradition to them. But today, at many wedding ceremonies, people often write their own vows. Now, I don't say this to like shame you or make you feel bad if you wrote your own wedding vows. I have friends that have written their own wedding vows. It can be a beautiful, powerful thing to hear people's own words and own feelings. But it can also be really awkward and uh, just downright hilarious at times when the way people do it. So I actually Googled some of these like ridiculous uh, wedding vows that people have like, this is what they want their marriage to be about. Okay, here, here's a few examples kind of compiled together. Ready? I love you like a fat kid loves cake. Actually, that's just a 50 cent line, but if I was writing my own vows, that's the first line I would do. The rest of these, though, are legit compiled from uh, actual wedding ceremonies. Ready? I love you more than I love cardigan sweater season on the day a new season of Stranger Things comes out. Oh, praise Stranger Things. We need a new season right now, Lord, more than ever. I vow never to steal your covers unless you are hogging them. Olivia hogs it covers all the time. I want us to grow old and crusty together, to shake our collective fists at teenagers, and to talk endlessly about the old days when things were better, cheaper, and generally more wholesome. <laughs> You are the one I want to scroll TikTok with and binge watch Netflix with forever. Now, this is an exaggeration, of course, right? But people are writing their own wedding vows. And again, I don't say this to shame you if you wrote your own vows, right? I, I've been to weddings where this is a beautiful, powerful thing. But I say it to illustrate, this, this illustrates our attitude towards the past, right? Many of us think that the most true and most important things we could ever say are things that we've written ourselves. That way it's authentic, right? That, that's the way I think oftentimes. And while this can, can help us in many ways, it can also hurt us in some ways, especially in our faith. We often resist traditions or creeds or confessions, things like the Apostles' Creed. We resist anyone from anywhere else, from any other time, telling me what I should believe. We ask, who is this I? right? But you see, when we say the Apostles' Creed, the I is actually a we. When we say the Apostles' Creed, the I is the single body of Christ. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 to 13, hang with me, it's hard to have a handheld and read the Bible. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 to 13, this very thing, he says, Just as a body, though one, has many parts, all its many parts from one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews, Gentiles, slaves, free. We were all given one spirit to drink. In saying the Apostles' Creed, the I is actually a we. We're not expressing our own opinions. We're not expressing our own beliefs. We're joining in to the single one body of Christ. You see, when we say the Apostles' Creed, we join our voices to the one great communal voice that calls out across the centuries from every tribe and tongue to a community that moves beyond time and place and, yes, even computers. 
in saying the Apostles' Creed, we're not invited to come out with our own personal expressions or, or our own feelings or our own statements of belief. We join our voices to one great communal voice that transcends them all. You see, the act that these words perform, I believe, the act that these words perform is affiliation. Everyone say in your living room, affiliation. No, I know you probably didn't say it. I said, say affiliation. Yeah, thank you. Affiliation. You see, when we say the words of the Apostles' Creed, we are affiliated. We latch on to, we're connected to a community of believers that transcends time and space and computers and everything. And we, we're affiliated. We connect. We latch on to them. And we're connected to the church. And we're connected to the person who unites them all, who is Lord of all, Jesus. You see, these words perform. These words affiliate. Now, I don't want to ignore the second word in this phrase, I believe, right? Because some of this sounds great, right? Connecting to it and being affiliated with our, our church and people across time and space and computers sounds great. But there's a second word in this that kind of makes that possible, right? And it's the word believe. And for some people, that word can be difficult. I don't want to ignore it, you see, because all of life is a life of faith, or trust, or belief, or hope, or whatever word you want to use exactly. We all have, we all put our uh, hope, our belief, our faith in something or someone, in people, in places, in uh, families, in ideologies, in politicians, or institutions, or something beyond ourselves. We put our faith, we put our trust in something to help, to look to, and to cling to in a crazy, crazy world. And whether we're religious or not, it's what we do. We stretch our hands towards another to put our hope and to put our trust and to lean on and cling to when we need help. It's just what we do. Has anyone ever seen a baby be born? I haven't seen a, a baby born, uh, but I've seen pictures, uh, not the gross ones, which means they're probably not the real ones, but in the fake ones, uh, and I, Olivia's delivered baby. She confirmed this. She said, uh, you know, babies typically when they're born, like the first thing that they're doing with their hands, what are they doing? They're not like this typically. They're more like stretched out, right? Baby's hands are stretched out. Do I look like a baby right now? They're stretched out, right? Because that's what that's what we do. That's it's in our nature. We stretch our hands towards another. We we desire to be known and to trust and to recognize to be part of something bigger than ourselves and to to know. It's what we do. And, and when we say the I believe statements in the Apostles' Creed, we're invited to recognize our need to know and to trust and to be part of something bigger than ourselves. We're invited to know and to trust and to believe in Jesus and then step in to the mystery of God. That's right, I said the mystery of God. You see, there's a tension here with the Apostles' Creed. Anyone seen The Matrix? Uh, I am a movie, uh, huge movie guy. I feel like I use a movie illustration every time I teach. Uh, but I had never seen The Matrix till a few weeks ago. And The Matrix is amazing. Like, it was so good. I was like, man, I can't believe it took me so long uh, to watch this movie. Uh, and at the towards the beginning of the movie, there's this, like, iconic scene where Neo, one of the main characters, is talking to Morpheus. And Morpheus is, like, this awesome dude with these cool sunglasses. And uh, he holds out two pills to Neo. He holds a red pill out and a blue pill. And he looks at Neo and he says, Neo, you can take this blue pill. If you take this blue pill, you'll wake up tomorrow. You'll forget everything that ever happened. You'll wake up and you can believe whatever you want to believe about reality and the universe and all things that matter. 
And then Morpheus says, but you can take this red pill. And if you take this red pill, I'll show you just how deep the rabbit hole goes. All I can promise you is the truth. And Neo, because he's awesome, takes the red pill. And when you're watching The Matrix, you're like, yes, he took the red pill. Like, we're going to find out more answers. But actually what happens as the viewer and for Neo is instead of getting more answers, you actually just get more questions. And that's kind of how the Apostles' Creed is. Like when you say it, you think, oh man, like we've got it figured out. There's 12 lines, like boom, 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 boom. That's how God is, like boom, we got it figured out. But what you'll recognize is as you step into the Apostles' Creed, as you say it more and more and it becomes more a part of your life, you'll recognize there's actually just more questions than there are answers. There's more unknown, there's more mystery than there is less because the Apostles' Creed is full of statements that we can't verify, that we can't observe, that we can't prove. When we say, I believe, we follow Jesus into the mystery of God. It's like when we say, I believe, it's like we recognize our life is a lot more like a mystery novel than it is a choose-your-own-adventure. Like God, we, we, we can't put our mind around God. There's a tension here with the Apostles' Creed. And this is hard for some people. Maybe this is hard for you. Maybe it's hard for you because logically this doesn't make sense. God is three in one, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. How does that even make sense? Or maybe it's hard for you because like right now you're full of fear and anxiety and all that's going on. And you're like, what does this even matter? Like, where is God right now? And I want you to know this morning, you are not alone. You're not alone. When Jesus was walking on this earth, there were people who had doubts, who had questions, who had uncertainty, saying, believe, I believe, was a little hard. There's a story in the book of Mark, chapter 9, verse 24, where a father comes to Jesus, and he says to Jesus, my, my child is in need of healing. This father has seen Jesus perform all kinds of miracles, and his child is in need of healing. And he says to Jesus, Jesus, will you heal my child? And Jesus says to this father, he says, anyone who believes will be healed. And the father says to Jesus, he says to Jesus, Jesus, I believe, but help my unbelief. This father has seen all these miracles from Jesus. His child is in need of help. And still there is a twinge of doubt, a twinge of uncertainty. Jesus, help my unbelief. There's another story of, of a guy named Thomas who was one of Jesus' apostles, one of Jesus' best friends. He followed Jesus around for, for three years, seeing Jesus all kinds of miracles and all kinds of teachings. And when Jesus died and rose again, all these rumors were going around, hey, Jesus is risen, he is risen. And Thomas, one of his best friends, he'd seen all of his miracles, he'd seen all of his teachings, was his best friend following around for three years, said to those around him, said, I won't believe it until my hands are on his wounds. There's uncertainty. There was doubt. You see, if this believe stuff is hard for you this morning, I want you to know you're not alone. And then I want you to know that doubt is not the opposite of faith. It's a component of it. You see, certainty is the opposite of faith. Doubt is a component of faith. You need doubt. You need some uncertainty to have faith. See, there's a, a story of Jesus. Because 
wherever we're at this morning, wherever we're at in the next few weeks, I just want us to, I just want us to, to latch on to Jesus and who he says he is in these I believe statements of the Apostles' Creed is, as we're stepping into the invitation of being affiliated to each other and to the church and to Jesus. I want us to lean in to Jesus and who he says he is. And so I just want to close with the story of Jesus. That seems like a good place to end things. There's a story of Jesus who uh, he was uh, giving a, an, a, a teaching to a big group of people. There were The apostles were there, and then there was a, a group of disciples, like a, a big group of people that are kind of casually following Jesus. Uh, and, and this group of people, after Jesus gave this teaching, it says the teaching was hard, and, and they couldn't, they didn't, they didn't want to deal with it. They didn't want to handle it. Uh, there were rumors going around maybe about Jesus, and maybe he's going to get arrested and all this stuff, and Jesus gives this teaching, and they're like, you know what, no, nah, Jesus, we're done. And they peace out. They leave. They're done. They're done following Jesus. And in John chapter 6, verse 66 to 69, we pick up in that story. Jesus looks to these to his apostles. He looks at this his group of best friends who've been following him around. He looks at them and he says, Do you want to go away as well? In other words, do you want to leave too? Everyone else has left. Do you want to leave? And Peter, Peter, who's kind of like the spokesman for the group, Peter looks at Jesus and he says to Jesus, he says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have believed and we have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Peter looks at Jesus and he says to Jesus, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have believed and we have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Notice that, that Peter said, we have believed and have come to know. He didn't say we, we have known and come to believe. See, sometimes, sometimes you, have to, you, you just have to believe so that you can know. You see, Jesus' mission and his, and his person, his teachings are more complex, they're more profound than any Christian tradition that we can think of, any creed that we can say, and anything that we can put our mind around. Sometimes we just have to be like Peter. When we say, I believe, we just have to let go of our assumptions. We have to hold our uh, positions loosely, and we have to look to Jesus, and we have to say to Jesus, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. You have the words of eternal life. Friends, Jesus is who he says he is. I am drawn towards him. Jesus is magnetic, not, and not because of his amazing teachings and his cool miracles. I am drawn towards Jesus to worship him. Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is the Son of Man. He is redeeming and He is changing and He is uh, redeeming and changing everything and everyone and He changes everything. And my hope and my prayer is that over these next few weeks as we step into the I believe statements of the Apostles' Creed, as, as we step into the invitation that these, the, the, these words perform, the act that these words perform, my, my prayer is that we would be affiliated that we would connect to, that we would latch on to, the, to a community of believers that transcends time and place and computers, and that we would latch on to the church and that we would latch on to the Lord of all who unites us all, and that's Jesus. 
That's my hope. That's my prayer. That's what we need more than ever. Will you pray with me? Oh, before I pray, Torn's going to come up and lead us in communion right after this. So uh, if you were thinking about clicking the end uh, during the prayer, how shame on you. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but we're going to uh, enter into a time of communion right after this. So uh, stick with us after, after I pray. God, thank you for today. As hard as that uh, may be to say for some of us, thank you for today. Every breath that we breathe uh, wasn't earned. We don't deserve it. We didn't do anything to get it. It's just a gift of your grace, a reminder of your grace. And God, I pray that over these next few weeks, we don't know what these next few weeks will look like for us. But God, I pray that that these next few weeks, that we we would, the core of who we are would just be, I believe. Our core would just, just be centered around, I believe. I believe in God, the Father, and the Son, and in the Holy Spirit. He died and was resurrected, descended to hell, rose again, and is coming. And is redeeming everyone and everything. God, would you open our eyes to some of that this morning and and this week and over these next few weeks. Help us step into the invitation that the Apostles' Creed gives us. Help us step into the different actions that, that these words perform, God. It's not in my name, in our name, that we come to you, God, but it's in the name of Jesus that we come to you. He is our power. He is our refuge. He is our rescue. And it's in his name that we pray this morning to him, to you be the power and the hope and the glory forever and ever and ever. Amen.